100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by some of my buddies, the Seek One crew, Lee Ellis, Drew Carroll, and Thomas Clements, as well as Johnny Stewart and my buddy Michael Palladino to talk about their three days of hunting the Pennsylvania big woods, some public land during the infamous firearm season. So this is Lee and Drew's first time hunting the big woods. So we discuss the art of deer drives and why it's not just a, a giant group of rednecks going through the woods and it's a, a strategic plan the way that we implemented it. The buck scale, uh, Pennsylvania deer camp traditions, Lee's first Pennsylvania buck, finding hidden honey holes for pressured bucks, Michael's buck, and what you can learn from trying new things. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday story of the week, we have a story from Jesse Smelter out of Pennsylvania. And Jesse wrote in, I bought a camp in Pennsylvania with the family in 2020 and picked a shelter wood cut on state forest land to target. This buck was one of the first bucks that we discovered. I couldn't figure him out that year and discovered he was still alive after the season. Last year, my brother and I couldn't make it up to hunt much in archery due to a Colorado trip in early November, and we made it up on the opening day of gun season. We had tons of pics of this buck and had narrowed down where he was living. My brother and I went in 200 yards apart that opening morning. At 8.30 a.m., I caught him browsing and killed him right where we were getting pictures all summer and fall. He didn't leave much. I backtracked him since it was snowing to see where he came from and discovered he was bedded between my brother and me all morning and night. No fresh tracks were coming to his bed in the snow, and he fed about 20 yards from his bed till I saw him. He was aged at seven years old. So head over to East Meets West Hunt on Instagram and East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook if you want to check out Jesse's buck because... This thing is a freaking toad. I mean, a seven-year-old mountain buck, just big 10-pointer and uh, just awesome deer. So congratulations on that, Jesse, and thanks for sharing the story. If you have a Mountain Buck Monday story that you would like to share with me, please send it in to my email, bowdeastmeetswesthunt.com, or just make it easy, go to eastmeetswesthunt.com, click on the Contact Us form, fill it out, send in a paragraph or two, doesn't have to be very long, and uh, a couple photos. And would love to share it. We've got a ton of stories that have come in from this fall. I'm still going through some from last year. It's it's uh it's been awesome to be able to see these stories and and hear of everyone's successes. So keep keep sending those in. Love to love to hear it. But uh, in other words, we got the this week's podcast, as I said, with with Lee and Drew, and uh, I'm really excited for this one. It was a really fun time. Lee texted me a couple of days after this trip and and said that this was the most fun hunt that he had this entire year and just being able to just I guess just have fun and not put too much pressure on on yourself and just enjoy uh, an old uh, I guess an old style of hunting Pennsylvania tradition in gun season. So joining the Orange Army and I think that was that was really cool. I've I've been one that has always looked in the past had looked down on gun season as, Oh, there's too many people in the woods. There's all this, but you know, that's just, that's uh, a loser's way of looking at it. And I think you can make the best out of it and really have fun with friends and family during that time. And that's exactly what we did. As you'll hear in this episode, there's a ton of laughs. We're 
making fun of each other. It's just, it was just a, a really good time. So I, I'm glad that those guys decided to come up. They will have a video coming out of this hunt on the Seek One YouTube channel. Uh, I'm imagining it'll be sometime soon, but just go over and subscribe to their channel so that you're notified when new videos come out. But uh, yeah, I'm just I'm really excited to see how that that video turns out because uh, it was it was a really really fun hunt and experience. Uh, last couple things I'll say is thank you to everybody that's been ordering apparel for Christmas gifts or whatever uh, on the East Meets West website. I really appreciate that. I've had a ton of orders coming in, especially in the last couple of weeks here, and I could not appreciate that anymore. So thank you. Do not feel obligated to, but I, I do appreciate uh, any of the support there where you feel necessary. The one thing I will ask you is if you do like the show, one thing that you can do that doesn't cost any money is share it with your friends, share it on social media, just share it with people through text message, whatever. If you like it and you feel like you got something valuable of it, that's the cost of admission uh, for the show. So I, I do appreciate that. And if you feel inclined to give a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to it, that stuff all helps me out a ton. So thank you again for all of that. And um, I guess I do have one more thing, then I'll let you go. But I, I've been, I told everyone that's been asking about the scouting camp. So I had the Mountain Buck scouting camp last spring and it was a hit and I just, I really enjoyed that. And I said, I'm doing another one this coming spring. And, but I wanted to get the registration open, uh, further ahead of time and give you some heads up when that's going to come up. So my goal is still to get registration open before the end of December. I have a lot of work to do to get that, to make that a possibility, get some things lined up, but that's my goal. I will send out emails. So my email list is how you'll keep the, uh, I guess most up to date. So again, there's a little pop up on the website at eastmeetswesthunt.com. When you go on there, just fill that out, put your email in there and your name, and uh, you'll be added to the email list because that's where it's going out first. So I'll give you uh, a you know a couple couple I guess email heads up before registration goes live. Last year it sold out in a couple minutes, so I'm I'm hoping to give everyone a heads up knowing when the time, when everything's going to happen. So if you, uh, if you want to get a spot that you can do so, so really excited for that. But with that being said, we got a longer podcast here, so I hope that you enjoy it. It's a fun one. It, this is a good one to watch the video version. Uh, it's in Johnny's camp, so it's pretty cool. So head over to YouTube if you want to check out that as well. So thank you guys and have a great rest of your week. <laughs> I am recording already, so I'll probably leave this in. Yeah, let me just chew it slower so it's louder. Can y'all hear that? Are, are hear you, what? Are you done, Lee? You done eating your Doritos? You're standing in front of the camera, Bill. Bill. <laughs> Go to your room, Bill. All right. It's wedding month. Of course you do. Lee, give me the bag. Give me that. You, you want some? You no, know, you're not old enough to have toys. <laughs> or food <laughs> your mama raised you better than that i don't know <laughs> i do i've it's met the lady she's Th- a nice lady <laughs> this train wreck happened all on its Th- own thomas you have a voice for podcasts that i don't doubt <laughs> thank you <laughs> i was talking about lady that sounded uh conceited <clears throat> huh a little conceited. Yeah, but, yeah yeah why don't you go ahead and introduce the podcast because yeah. i'm sure bo's already played his generic 
radio broadcast. Yeah. Pre-recorded yeah. intro. Yeah. We're going to work on that. It's eats me twice. All right, go ahead. Yeah, we're going to work on that later on, man, but we're going to make him a new one. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Maybe this could be it. It could be. You have the floor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the East Meets West Hunt Podcast with your host, Bo Martonic. That's amazing. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> you pronounced his name wrong, though. That's the only problem. No, he said it exactly. It's pronounced Bew. Oh, no. Bew? Bew. Yeah. Bew Martonic. <laughs> man, I love that voice, man. I wish I could do that. <laughs> Oh. Do you want to introduce everybody here, Thomas? I mean... Start with yourself. Sure. My name is Thomas <laughs> Clemens. <laughs> this goober to my right is Lee Ellis. And on his right, we have yours truly, uh, Bo Martonic, and then we got uh, Drew Carroll. That's that's exactly what we were looking for there. So I'm not going to go any further detail on Drew and Lee. They've been on the podcast multiple times here seek one and thomas happened to be out here filming these guys and you know what he's kind of my favorite out of the group so <laughs> I, I wanted to, i wanted to get him on the episode here too as we as we started talking so we're we're in pennsylvania we're at johnny stewart's uh lodge not deer camp lodge we're gonna call it what, what would you say thomas oh yeah it's a lodge five star five star mm-hmm I'm giving it a five-star deer camp. It's still a deer camp. Johnny, don't let them give you this lodge, you know, nonsense. It's deer camp. It's deer camp vibes. Yeah. Oh, no, it definitely is. I'm you just, just say lodge, and it just has a disrespectful feel to it. That's that's a good point. I won't call it a lodge anymore. I got your back, Johnny. Yeah. Well, it's okay. Five-star deer camp. Thank you. And, yep. and you guys got to come up and spend some time, so I... I was highly concerned um, when you guys were interested in coming here of making sure that you had a good time and enjoyed yourself because Pennsylvania deer hunting is a little bit different than than other places. But I, I, I feel like uh, I feel like you, you had a good time, even though that there wasn't a ton of deer sightings overall. Well, may, maybe I'm completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like silence. Uh, I no I. <clears throat> I think the biggest treat for us is that, and I've, I think I was telling Johnny this a lot that like, maybe it was you, but I can't remember, but for us, like we're, we're always so landlocked. Like our style has always been the door knocking permission game. And a lot of times that's smaller properties and it's like, you know, you're really having to pay attention to those lines. So it's really a treat to get into just like a zone where you can just kind of just adventure and just like go and not really have to like worry too much about property lines. Yeah. And to like to us that's a huge treat. So it was a very different style but also at the same time as you and I learned this evenings there's a lot that translates over yeah, there from is. from the suburban smaller lots uh you know door knocking game and it translates directly over to the big woods game up here public land. Yeah. So it's it's extremely different. I mean, total opposite ends of the spectrum, but there are a lot of similarities of just how these deer are really good at sort of finding those pockets that are overlooked and just they're they're always really good at avoiding pressure. And the same thing happens in the suburbs. The same thing is happening out here. Yeah. Oh, especially during gun season when, you know, they're dealing with 
with the orange per- army. Yeah, the orange army. Oh, that's how you were supposed to open this, Thomas. No, no, we gotta save that one later on. We gotta save it. That's for, for the video. video. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, not not good enough for the podcast. That's either gonna turn out that intro to that video that we filmed today is either gonna turn out like hilarious or it's gonna be a total. It's flop. definitely not staged. <laughs> live action. Not even a little bit. <laughs> No, I was just standing with a camera out in front of eight armed men walking <laughs> through the woods. So I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with Thomas on this question. And I thought of this, and I, if you could say in one sentence how you describe hunting the big woods of Pennsylvania the last three days, how would you say it? Mm. There you have it. Yeah, just <laughs> no. Um, I just. I want to say calculated, and I, I feel like that's a little different because if you see the video and you see everybody just calling it the Orange Army, everybody out there just running around chasing deer with shotguns and, and, and rifles, but the amount of time that I've seen you and Johnny and Lee and Drew and all that looking at your phone and planning how we were going to do these drives or how you were going to go in on this piece of timber and this piece of land and use the topography and the all the creek drainages and big timber patches and stuff like that to help help navigate and do stuff like that. Like, I mean, like, we may have only been in the woods pushing deer for 30 minutes, but we spent 45 pl- making a plan to go do it. So it was way more calculated than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no, I th- I think that's a I think that's a very good way of describing it. It was more than one sentence, but I like that. <laughs> well, it started as one word. One word. Hey, and well, then, then I had to give you the reason why I picked the one <laughs> no, word. You're right, good, no, you're good. I'm telling you right now that I might actually retire from podcast and let you take over. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say. Just it's the, just the sound that you emit. It just sounds legit. It does. I, I believe everything he says. <laughs> All right, Lee, what would you say? I would... Um, sort of piggyback off of the calculated word and, and then I would just probably say like repetition and it was yeah. like game plan after game plan after game plan after game plan and 90% of those game plans failed but that one is all it took for it to happen and it was like I mean kind of demoralizing at times when it's just like we go on a drive nobody sees a deer we go on another drive nobody sees a deer maybe someone saw a doe and it's like, you know, it's, it, it can get you down quick, but it's like, I think keeping that positive attitude <clears throat> is, is everything of like, it's the next one. Cause like you get enough repetitions in like sooner or later, everything's going to align and, it, and it's going to happen. And then that's kind of what, like, I'm really glad that the way it played out for us was like, it was a grind, you know, first full day, second full day didn't happen. And then like the last day of hunting, it happened. I think it just kind of showed like the whole process of it, you know, that we didn't get lucky and it happened on like deer drive one or two that happened on like eight or nine. Yeah. And so I just think like, you know, kind of like Thomas said, you're making these calculated plans and it's like, all right, go bang them out. Like just kind of keep chipping at it. And we did some longer drives and I I think we kind of landed on the the shorter drive technique. And I, I kind of like that because you're just kind of, I think you're keeping yourself in the game and, and just like, you just keep banging and keep hitting yeah. and, and, and kind of moving there that the problem with the long drives, especially with a low amount of people, you know, like some Pennsylvania deer drives can have up to 20 people, which is insane to think about. But like when you have 
a couple drivers and a couple people sitting, there's a lot of places for those deer to, as, as I call it, squirt out, you know, and get back. And so, like, when you have a longer drive, there's so much more room for them to do that when you set up these shorter, more calculated <coughs> ones that they they see. And, and you know, we, we were kind of learning on the fly, even though we've been doing I mean, my dad's been doing it for 40 years, you know, in gun season. But it's like you, you learn every time you do it, and you just keep keep making these little fine-tuned adjustments. And to, I think these deer are really good at squirting out of that that plan. Like, yeah. this is a common, uh, you know, technique here. And it, I, I think that those deer are just accustomed to it. And, like, this isn't their first rodeo. Yeah. So I guarantee you every drive we were around deer, but they were just dipping out on us like one way or the other because they just have kind of figured out the deal. Yep. Um, I had something important I was going to say. I don't know what it was. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll let you think. <laughs> we'll let you think on that. We'll go over to Drew. I mean, uh, yeah, I think they. What I was going to say is covering ground and just repeating until you uh, essentially get lucky. Um, I think this the driving method honestly shows like that these deer. Anything that you do that's unnatural to them, they they know what's what's going on. Like they know the game, mm-hmm. and whether it's you're going in and sitting in a stand and you're hunting their food source like they know that something's up or you're walking through their bedding area trying to push them they're not going to go they're not going to just go the direction that you want them to go i think i think what lee just said like i think we're around deer probably pretty much every drive um and whether they were just hunkering down and not moving and just letting you walk by them and some of this thicker stuff where you have guys that are 150 200 yards apart or they're just squirting out the side because they know that if they go the direction that you want them to go, they're going to run into somebody else. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it just – you have to be way more calculated than than you would think. It's not just a bunch of rednecks walking through the woods. Yeah, no. That, and I think that's what people think of deer yeah. guys. They think of just like just running through the woods, trying to just you know kick deer up and do that. And it's like they're way smarter than that. Like they're, they're used to this. They're not going to just – do that. And I, I think a really good example is the first drive. So you and Thomas were set up on the first day and there was only, a, it was just me and Lee putting on the drive and you and Thomas sitting on that. So there was just a few of us. It wasn't, wasn't this, you know, big giant, a lot of people drive and we were moving. And I remember saying to Lee, I said, we were pushing through this old clear cut and through this thicket, nothing came out at that point. And I said, Let's stop and skirt around and come back through this one little section of blowdowns. It was only 70 yards from us. And I said, I always find sheds in there and deer are laying kind of in that spot. And we did that. And that doe jumped up for me 15 yards away. It, it took until but that. But when she took off, she took off like a rocket. Oh, yeah. She didn't like that. Gone. Yeah, she didn't like that. I remember the important point I had. We definitely got to have 20 guys next year. <laughs> yeah. we could do it man yeah. what what's the actual rule on that it's like per hunter or like per party you're it's allowed how many guys per party what michael do you know what it is well what if two parties are just coordinated in the same area i'm 25 saying. yeah and you and it's over a certain number and i've never had over this number to be able to do it but you have to have a roster basically which we had just anyways but where you write down as far as who's in your party and you have all that stuff there and you so, have to write down wait 25 guys I don't know the exact it's it, it's 25 okay, 25 guys yeah you can have 25 guys stomping through the woods it's including sitters can everyone have a gun 
That sounds oh, safe. Oh, boys. <laughs> yeah. And, you get and, a gun and a shield. And, and I will say, like, so I actually got, when I started posting some of this stuff on, on Instagram as we were going through it, like, at the end of the day, a couple people would ask, they're like, how, I, I'm scared to death of people in the woods with rifles and you're, you know, walking towards them. And, like, so the way our method is, like, when we're doing these drives is we use a, a yipping system, which Lee started getting better at he wasn't very good at first but like we yep you just you do a little little yelling as the drivers are going back and forth that's one way to to be able what was to so keep, wrong with my yip it, it, it kind of sounded immature to be honest yeah kind of like two-year-old not even <laughs> no no this was this was a button buck type stuff and yearling yeah so and and that was kind of like um, anyway, sorry, I, I got off track thinking of Lee's. Yeah, but uh, but the that that helped it helps keep you in line as you're moving as drivers and making sure no one's getting ahead or doing anything. But it also is a way so that the sitters hear you and they know where you're coming from, know where you move. And we also plan it out. We grab, you know, we get when we're looking at Spartan Forge ahead of time. We show everybody. We send the pins where everyone's going to be sitting at, where we're going to be coming from and driving. And it's like okay. We have sitters in these places. You don't shoot in that direction. That's just that's what it is, and everyone knows where that stuff's at to be able to keep it, keep it, I guess, safe as you're as you're moving through it. So I think that goes back to Thomas's like calculated word. Yeah, and and, and that's the truth. Like I didn't really realize how much went into it, and 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 yeah, I mean, when you're involving rifles and people walking through the woods, you could potentially have a dangerous scenario. But I never once felt uh, like not completely safe with the plan and what was going on. And that was y'all's experience in that and kind of being able to like pass that down to us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the yipping is, is key to just kind of letting everybody know like what's going on. And uh, I, yeah, it was in my opinion, like as safe as you can possibly get. Yeah. No, I, 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 I would agree with that. And, and, and we've learned that for so many years and I was glad that, I mean, you guys picked up on it really quickly as far as like at first there was some things that i realized i took for granted as far as like putting on these drives and like we've just done it forever so you just you just know you know and you were asked you guys all asked very good questions and that helped me realize like okay yeah not everyone has done this before and it's completely different i mean i I think you if you did that in atlanta there'd be a problem you know there'd probably i think it's something we need to try for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and, Atlanta's going to have to be archery, but there's some other cities that allow rifles. We could probably just push them through little neighborhood creek bottoms. Holly, and stuff. that would be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There'd be a lot of deer, though. Yeah. There would be. I, that's the thing, too, that kind of shocked me. It was like, y'all's deer have to crap a lot. I was going to go. <laughs> Dude, I don't understand. Then. That's the craziest thing. Like, when you're, we're doing these deer drives and we're walking around, there's literally crap everywhere yeah deer poop everywhere like we have high deer densities in some of the places we hunt wasn't even comparable to some of the places we've seen and this is low deer density extremely low (laughs) (laughs) well johnny came up with uh uh an idea on this lee do you want to do you remember what johnny said about that it was uh the they're they're eating bark and browse they have to eat a lot of it in order to get the nutrition, the calories, and it just passes through. through through I mean, they got to be pooping every like thirty seconds. Yeah, that that might be valid. Walk ten steps, take a crap. Walk another ten steps, take another crap. Because there's not that many oak trees out here, right? 
No, not not that many. But actually, uh, Lee Lee was mentioned, and he's like, he's like, Bo, look at that. He's like, that deer crapped right on top of that log. Like just <laughs> the most like, amazing <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It's just like perfect precision, pile. perfect <laughs> precision pile on top of that log. And there was that one doe this morning on uh, one of the drives we were putting on. Well, we didn't see her, but. I, I saw where she was at and it was kind of steaming, but she had, she had diarrhea and she, I, I caught her in two different places in the mountain. It's <laughs> just, I don't know what she was Keyed eating. To that I feel for the old gal. That was a bad, bad, bad morning for the, for the old girl. Yeah. Yep. And it, yeah, it was not a, not a great morning for her. I mean, she was, she was up late and <laughs> yeah. low sleep eating fast food. She got into the Mexican last night. She got into the Mexican food last <laughs> night, those burritos. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> burritos. Thomas, talk about them burritos. <laughs> now, every time that we ever made anybody <laughs> know that I haven't been around, Lee likes to tell the story saying that I don't even know what a burrito is. You don't. And I did know a what fact. a burrito was, but when I first met Lee and Drew, I never had one. <laughs> Just because I was a plain Jane type guy. I was pretty picky back then. Plain Janes have had burritos. Well, I'm That's a special like kind of plain Jane. I'm not. I didn't. Anyway, and I have since ate a lot of burritos. So you're a burrito guy now. I like burritos. 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 You just had a uh, steak, chicken, an eye shrimp. opening later in life on burritos. Burritos. No black bean burgers, though. Burritos. <laughs> oh, I love I love that that story. <laughs> it's the perfect dynamic for us because like Drew and I grew up in the city, mm-hmm. and Thomas just has like the most country accent of all, and it's just like the perfect blend. I'm jealous of it. Like I I would love to have yellow his man accent. crush. What? Man crush? I couldn't understand you with your city accent, but no. <laughs> you're no, really I good just, at talking I, trash. I, I Did guess, everybody tell you that? What's that? that you're, so, you're so good. Like that hurt when you told me that. That was yeah. a sick burn. Here, give me some skin, brother. That was a sick burn. Snail. Dang it, man. <laughs> Mason taught me that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyways, what? While we're just talking about nonsense. Um, I want to put Johnny on the headset and ask him those questions I asked you earlier in the car. Okay. About milk and cows and. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll hey, do that at some point. All right. Well, no. Let's let's just do it right now before before we forget about it. Okay. Johnny, you want to come over and grab Thomas's headset real quick? Sorry, Thomas. <laughs> the pr- the problem is we'll, ne- we'll never get the headset off, Johnny. That's the problem. No, he's got to be on camera. He's got to get in. He's got to get in the middle here. Sit, check. All right, Johnny, you ready? Yeah, yeah. Hit me. <clears throat> Spell the word silk. S i l k. Say it three times fast. Silk, silk, silk. What do cows drink? Water. Dang it, man! Oh gosh. <laughs> oh. I think I heard that. Uh, <laughs> no, a ten-year-old run out by me. And I <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So I was ready for it. <laughs> I, I, I failed that one. Bo fell it for it. Hook no, that's not sinker. what you. No, that's not what you said to me. You said spell milk, spell milk and, and you said M I L K, and you said spell silk, and I said S I L K, and then you said say it three times fast. I said silk, 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 and you go, "What a cow drink!" I said milk. <laughs> and then three minutes later, you finally realized what was going on. Yeah, you, you were, we were all laughing. You had no idea why we were laughing at you. 
Yeah, no, I'm not not that quick. Do you like uh, do you like fish sticks? Um, yeah, <laughs> you do. You're a gay fish. <laughs> you like fish sticks? <laughs> uh, I didn't get you on the milk. I don't one, like but I got you them. on the fish dick one. You did get me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even let him take credit. What, for that. what, what did what did Bo say today? Had a T in there at the end of the road. At the Amongst, end of the word? Or no, across, across. across. They, yeah. they they make fun of my my accent. Thomas made fun of my accent. It's <laughs> <laughs> ironic. All, he's like, why do you add a T to everything when you say like, <laughs> yeah, across? I was like, we come across the creek. Across the creek. K R I K creek. That's not how you spell it. <laughs> That's how you say it. No. Anyway, it is a creek. If you read it, it's creek. <laughs> that's just, I don't know. That's, that's the way we, we've learned that in Pennsylvania. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code East Meets West to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S. And I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. But anyways, all right, back Moving to on. <laughs> b- back to deer hunting. So, uh, you know, we're put, putting on those uh, we're putting on those drives and kind of going through the 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 calculated approach with it. And it was it was the first day I'd taken you guys into an area that is what I would call one of my best areas that I have, and all that was scene was drew drew and thomas saw a small well, you, i guess you you run with yeah that. In the first five five and a half minutes of our hunt which in hindsight i probably sh- should have put a little bit more effort into trying to kill that deer <laughs> but, okay uh, so it was a legal buck the scale we, legal that oh, that's what i was going to ask the <laughs> scale that we've established now where does he fall on the scale I, he was probably right above barely i was about to so say he's a he buck. was just below meat buck yeah. But above a barely, a barely legal. I mean, Thomas didn't see him, but I didn't. Just. But I could see it in his eyes how big he was. He so, wasn't very. No, he was up. so he was bedded bedded underneath one of those hemlock trees, like one. Of, it was a small one that had kind of like a really tight canopy. Mm-hmm. And when he got up, I, Thomas and I both heard him. Like he almost bounded off like a mule deer. 
just like hopped off. It was loud, <clears throat> real loud. I was like, "Gosh, dang it!" Like that. That's him. That's a big one. That's the big eight. Yeah, that's big eight. <laughs> big eight. <laughs> that was Johnny's big eight. <laughs> big eight. Um, and he he kind of like bounded off to maybe like seventy, eighty yards and turned around and kind of looked back. But uh, that was that was the only buck that I saw. Oh, you saw one later in that day. That day you saw that six. six well, the only one that I saw that I potentially could have shot. Okay, that yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> but the okay, let's go back to the scale real quick. So it's a beautiful scale. We, the, the scale is actually pretty good. So you have <laughs> barely legal, which in in Pennsylvania, depending on where you're at in the state, three points on one side is the antler restriction limit. So that's barely legal. It hits that. Then you have a meat buck, which you know it's decent. It's a it's step a, above barely legal. Yeah, it's a it's a good looking buck. Maybe a two year old. Yeah, two year old buck. Then you have a good buck. Well, that's a good buck. You know, you look so at it, you're buck. like, you look at it, you just see, see it there on the ground. You're like that's a good buck. That's a good buck. It's a good buck, man. Congratulations. Maybe a three year old at that point. And then you have great buck. And then there's the once-in-a-lifetime buck that we've added to Correct. the fifth tier of the scale. I definitely think there's more additions that can be made. Yeah, but this is the, the start. This the is building the, blocks. Yeah. So would you say yours today is a good buck? Yeah, I, I well, do, I think we all agreed it was a good buck. Yeah, yeah, it was a good yeah. buck. What, for, being for real, and I think Michael said it best, was uh, that like that's, what, that's like a very good – or maybe Bo said it too. I think both of y'all kind of said it, that that was like a – a very good representation of like a, a good Pennsylvania deer. Yeah. And we're jumping ahead a little bit here. So I'm, I'm going to step it back and we'll get back to your good buck. <sighs> Fine. <laughs> and, uh, we'll, we'll I, I just kind of want to go through this process a little bit. So, you know, after that, that first day we put on a bunch of drives in these areas and we kicked up some deer, but nothing weren't kicking up the, the, you know, the caliber of deer that I know were, that live in there and i'm sure we were walking past some of them or maybe that they'd completely moved on and the hard part about gun season is especially getting the second week is you don't know who's been in there before you don't know where they've been what they've been doing and everything you learned in archery season and you know your quote-unquote patterns that you put on them that don't matter anymore like that's kind of thrown out the window so you're trying to figure out basically off the pressure on what these deer are doing because they're in survival mode and they're trying trying to live we get into the second day and we start going to some of johnny's spots and i think we went a couple drives without seeing a single deer wasn't it yeah johnny johnny don't know what he's doing that's the main thing but <laughs> <laughs> no obviously johnny johnny knows as we what sit he's here doing. underneath 14 yeah 15 melts yeah obviously johnny knows what i'm doing i'm completely joking and um but then we got in got into a, a drive where um, it, my dad and Johnny came across this and myself came across this hilltop and drew and Lee and Thomas were kind of in position and it was towards the very end of the drive. And we were sitting there under a tree and, and Thomas and Lee decided they were going to try to play a joke on me. And I see Thomas set a camera down on a backpack kind of angles. My, my favorite part of the whole trip. I, I know I'm throwing myself under the bus for this, but I, I, I feel I like respect it's, you for it, though. It's, it's necessary. Because people are going to see it at some point. Repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I see this camera pointing my direction, but my 
myself, I didn't pick up on the idea that, okay, Thomas probably turned his camera on is going to try to get a reaction out of me. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm like, he just set his camera there. I'm being kind of an idiot doing little little things looking at this camera. And their whole idea was they were going to joke and say, big buck, big buck, and get my reaction. Well, what really happened was four deer came <laughs> off this point. And, Lee, I'll let you take it from there. I don't, I don't get it, man. It's just like... It's kind of like the a watch pot will never boil. Like whenever you least expect it is when something happens. And like minutes before that, I told Thomas, and we've been sitting there for an hour, and I'm sitting there just like attentively watching. And I'm like, we gotta eat a sandwich or something. Like we gotta we gotta stop paying attention. That's when they come out. And so <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious because Drew and Bo did a push, and then they met up with us. And I told Thomas, I was like, hey. I'm going to play a prank on Bird. Like, I do that kind of to a lot of people. And it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a dick move, to be honest with you. I kind of like it. It's but it, it's all for good fun. And, uh, you know, we've never hunted together before. So I was like, hey, you know, I think it would be a good idea. Like, film Bo. Like, we're going to do a big buck prank on him. And so, Tom, I don't even know how you worded it, to be honest. But, like, well, we sat there discussing it for, like, two minutes because i was like if i just stick the camera in his face he's gonna know what's up right but then you set a so camera up like, like let me get the picture camera because he ain't gonna think i'm filming him did you tell one. him anything about no no you just I set said, it up I'm just sitting right here I and said, you had no idea that this was becoming a setup at this point just a random camera is being no faced I, I i just thought thomas had too many cameras in his hands and he needed to set one down yep. <laughs> <laughs> at my face so when you when you gave this the smile wink and, and peace sign you didn't no, I had no idea recording. it was recording now. No, I was just jokingly <laughs> told him. I said, say hi to the camera, Bo. <laughs> so I said so, hi to the camera. And at that point, four deer came running off the mountain. So, it, like, literally, I was like, hey, let's play a prank on Bo. I'm going to tell him big buck, big buck, and we'll film his reaction and see what he does. And then uh, <laughs> we set the camera up, and literally I turned to my left and looked up this hill, and here come four deer come crashing down the hill. And the last buck was a legal buck. I, I'm pretty sure he was a legal buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's probably my favorite video clip of all time because you go from, like, completely joking, like, you know. Goofy. Goofy to just, like, very, very stern, serious, like, this is this is, this is is business. Like, yeah. Just, like. I grabbed my handy cam because I was going to get a second angle. (laughs) (laughs) I was was going to get the second angle, and I grabbed my camera, and I'm looking at it. And the video clip, I, 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 yeah. It's hilarious. We were just all laughing about it in camp. Like, all of us were surrounded around Thomas's computer watching it. All dying laughing. I can't. I'm I'm looking forward to when that that video comes out. But anyways, we were kind of going through, and, and, you know, in our own heads, you know, so we got, you know, me and my and well myself Johnny and my dad and we're all trying to come up with plans of thinking of it and working with you know with you guys on these plans and kind of getting everyone's thoughts because even though we know these woods and this is what we grew up doing it's I think it's important to have everyone's perspective and we're sitting there looking at it and and trying to figure out plans and kind of it's you always get to this point of feeling like all right I, I not exactly sure what we should do in this in this situation we're going through it and and last night we were sitting around trying to come up with some different plans and looking at the wind and figuring out how we can do these drives and going through it and 
And uh, I guess at that point, I'll, I'll transition before we go, and I keep jumping around a little bit, but I, I thought of something. Then I brought you guys out to my family's deer camp uh, to, to have a night there and get to, to get to see where I've grown up getting to hunt and everything. What, what was kind of your thoughts on, on that? Get, I, I don't know, I guess getting, a, getting to see kind of like the smaller deer camp, no running water type of deal and, and, and hanging out with everybody. I could tell there's a lot of memories there for sure. You had all the pictures printed out on the wall. Um, I guess Grandpa Martonic is the one that kind of is he the one that started kind of the hunting tradition in your family? Grandpa, Grandpa Cherry. So that's my Grandpa mom, Cherry. my mom's okay. uh, father on at that camp. Yeah, my, he started started the hunting tradition and the mustache tradition. He which, did. Yeah, yeah, that's evident. Yeah, he yeah he has a way better mustache than I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it's it was cool. I mean, it's like your your stereotypical deer camp, um, wood burning stove rice coal which lee and i have never heard of that before that was a first for us um yeah you're either burning hot and having to take yeah. off everything you're wearing or you're cold so there's two <laughs> options with that <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean it's like it was everything that you need in a deer camp mm-hmm. you got a cooler you got a wood burning stove you got a kitchen table for people to eat and share stories over and you got plenty of wall space to put all your uh your good bucks, your meat bucks, your yep. barely legals. Yep. And uh, and you guys actually put a rule on uh, – so my aunt had brought up some cookies for everybody, and Mason was eating too many cookies, so Drew made a, a rule for Mason. He had to eat so many celery, celery. celery sticks. <laughs> to cancel out. Yeah, to fact. cancel it out. So <clears throat> that's scientific fact. Mason ate all of the celery so he could have some more cookies. Those yeah. cookies were life changing. Oh my gosh! I think that's why <laughs> we killed so deer good. today. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why we killed today. Yeah, that my, didn't last long. Yeah, my aunt, my cousin, she they they uh, made those baked those cookies up. Yeah. I would second what Drew say. Like that that deer camp was like full of memories. All the pictures, all the mount, the deer heads and stuff. Like you can tell, there's a lot of like not to sound you know mushy or whatever but like a lot of just like love for what we do in that cabin like it's just a very very special special deal and you can tell that like the second you walk in and it's just it's just it's just cool to experience that even though we have really nothing to do with it yep i think that's something that's very different than what lee and i typically are used to i mean we're hunting urban areas where the vast majority of people don't hunt and then coming up to a place like this where I would guess that probably 90-plus percent people do hunt. Yeah. And for 50% of those people, like, hunting is a lifestyle. It runs deep here. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, it's like the activity to do. Um, so it's cool to kind of just see that side of things and just see the lifestyle and the, you know, the camp is just like the social atmosphere for people to get together and share stories and have camaraderie around that hunt and like i think that's a lot of what these deer drives what makes these deer drives fun is it's like it's not about going out and killing the, the biggest buck you possibly can it's not about spending all summer pattern patterning a buck and like just going in there when the wind's right the most important thing is just like getting out there with buddies yeah having some fun you're gonna screw some things up you're gonna cut up 
and then you might have an opportunity where you get to shoot a deer with your buddy watching you. Um, so that just the community aspect of it is something that we don't get to experience Every, as much in the urban. urban everybody area. was a part of that deer. Yeah. I would, I just happened to be the lucky dude that got to pull the trigger, but like everybody put effort, an extreme amount of effort and time into that deer. So that was, that was a joint deer. I mean, that was like a party deer. It wasn't like a, that's my buck. It was like, that's everybody's buck. I just happened to be the lucky guy that was, you know, in the right position when the deer took off running. Yeah. But there's just so much, you know, of a group effort that went into making that happen. That That's just such a cool deal. And I think that's why it's made, you know, these few days like so special for us. Just because like you said, it's just outside of our normal realm of what we get to experience hunting wise. Yeah. And the, the camaraderie of it to, is just like almost everything. Oh, and that's that's why I was so excited for you guys to come here and and like I'm proud of that like aspect of it. Like in all of us that are at that camp, we get we're, we're the same as you guys like as far as during archery season stuff, it's a very kind of solo endeavor mm-hmm. and you're focused on it, but it's like when gun season comes in, it's like all right, who has a tag left? Let's see how we can help them, you know, fill their tag. Let's, you know, everyone kind of gets together. And we've, I've done that with Johnny. I've done that with Michael. I've done that with Mason. I've done that with my whole family, like in the, in the, in the past. And, and, you know, today when we went in and we were going to do a drive and it was one of my dad's spots. And it's actually a place that you were, you guys were kind of laughing at. Uh, this little this picture of me at the camp last night where little 13 year old bow baby bobo little stud there he was uh that. had you know blonde hair and and i'd killed this eight point and i was i was saying it was right after the antler point restrictions at that point you know it was i think 118 inch eight point and uh and i remember everyone telling me they're like that's the biggest buck you're ever gonna shoot in your life like that's that's a giant like you got to be you know proud of that deer and obviously i was and but it was that was that same spot is where we went to put this drive on this morning and it was me and my dad and michael went to to push across this top and and you know i owe this to my dad of knowing that area so well and understanding how the deer move through it and as soon as we started the drive we heard a gunshot and at first i thought it was michael because he was kind of down in that bottom and then johnny texas just lee with like a bunch of e's <laughs> after it and i was like all right well, that was lee that 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 shot and we just kept we kept moving on the drive and i remember i got into this bottom and it was just this is like it was like the most pennsylvania big wood spot you could think of like just beaver ponds it was mist and cloudy kind of rainy you know just just looked just big wood style and 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 it almost looked like a a place where a moose would live as i think thomas you were saying that like jokingly like any moose in pennsylvania could look like this would be a place that they'd live at yeah drew brought that up oh drew kept walking around in the swamps and stuff just expecting it looks it kind of looks like like the big woods of maine yeah a little Mm -hmm. bit very swampy yeah wet big woods and we walk up and and I think I almost fell in the beaver pond and got beaver fever a couple times as I was trying to run across and and see you guys with that with that deer and and we went up and and not that I I didn't expect it to be as nice as it was 
But at the same time, I wasn't sure what it was going to be. And, and I'm like, holy cow, it's a good buck. And we, I feel like you were totally expecting to see like a, a – old, old barely legal. Barely legal just laying there. I, I kind of was. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, that's a great three-year-old buck. And, and, you know, Pennsylvania eight-pointer. Like it was had strong brows, nice-looking deer just laying there. And we were just – Oh man, it was just awesome. Everyone hanging out there. My dad came up and Michael came up and then all of a sudden the whole crew came over. Johnny came running in and then, then Drew came after that cause he was in a different spot over there and everyone got there and my dad broke out his, his traditional fireball, fireball. for uh celebration. Wait, so there. that's actually a real tradition that wasn't just, no, that's a real thing. For the camera. No, okay. that's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's a that's a real thing. My dad from, always from does my that. perspective, the coolest part of the whole deal was after the shot happened, and, and Thomas and I were standing over that deer. Was just like we were excited to see people emerge from the woods because like <laughs> they yeah. everybody had heard the shot, I'm sure, and yeah. it's just like you know here they come, like oh here here comes Johnny, like you know here oh here comes Bo, here comes Joe, like it was just so cool, like to just like people just started kind of converging on it. And it, again, it's just like the camaraderie side of it. But like that was just such, you know, for me, my perspective, like that was the, uh, the coolest side of it for me. It was like just watching everyone kind of converge and just appearing from all over the place. <laughs> yeah. just like, you know. Well, part of that, what you said earlier, Lee, is like there's almost an added pressure when you have that many people involved, for especially sure. like for us, when we come up here and we get like, we're, we got invited on a hunt. We got guys that are local that have other things they could be doing. And they're out here for three days, driving deer for us. And you have a high pressure situation of putting a good shot on a deer that's running at 150, 200 yards. It's, it's not easy. You made a great shot on that deer. Like that was, that was not an easy shot. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, I didn't really, well, thank you, but I didn't really think about that till after the fact. I was like, the, the, I'm, and I'm glad I didn't think about it because I felt like I probably would have had a lot more pressure on me. But also at the same time. You don't even have time, time to think about it yeah, in that you, situation. You don't have, it was an instinctual kind of deal. I mean, it's like split second kind of deal. Deer stops, two seconds. Right. You want them, shoot. But also, like, I wasn't sure deer actually existed up here. So, you know, we didn't really have <laughs> any expectations going into that hunt. So it's not like we were nervous, you know. We're just like, oh, it's going to be another hunt. We don't see anything. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of thought about that after. I was like, man, I'm really glad we made a good shot on that deer because everyone's got a lot of time and effort into this. And I don't want to be that guy that had the opportunity and just blew it, just totally dropped the ball well you did make a hell of a shot because like it was probably about 200 yards and that deer stopped for a split second and that's when you were able to to put the shot on and luckily thomas has the good eyes and he saw saw those deer coming across that swamp because it's hard to see it's thick and it's this they they you know they don't not making noise coming through that soft mm. ground as they're as they're walking through there and and yeah, I was I, I I just couldn't believe it happened that way. Yeah, and there it, was another buck in the group too. The lead buck was a barely legal. He buck. was a little bitty fella. Yeah, he ran right up to Johnny, but he was sleeping. <laughs> I I, he's not even here to defend. I himself. think uh, something that goes under the radar a lot is, and Thomas, this is an appreciation for you. Is like if Thomas doesn't capture that moment on that camera we don't get to share that with, with everybody. And 
like so my hat my hat my hat's off to you and, and what you were able to do like as a part of the whole group like you did your job in a phenomenal way to capture that because it's like you know if, if it's just a split second deal and like you were able to get right on them and it's like if you weren't able to do that a lot of people don't get to see that and in the realness and, and kind of how everything unfolded so like there's a there's a big weight on like camera guys too and like I, I think sometimes they don't get enough credit for when they do a really good job to kind of capture these moments because it's like i mean in the day and age we live in it's like oh you know picture didn't happen you yeah know, kind of thing so like you did a phenomenal job for that and like a Epic lot of people footage. will hopefully get to enjoy that and, and feel like they were a part of that hunt yeah no thank you i i I don't know. It, it just becomes instinct. It's like you said when you pull up to shoot to get on a deer to make the shot. It's the same thing. Like I don't. After doing it just for the short time, like you don't you don't watch things on your eyes anymore. You watch it through the monitor. So as soon as I see the deer, it's just finding it in the monitor, and you know sometimes you get lucky or whatever. But I think the way that the hunt played out is in a testament to what you was talking about earlier both of you talking about the deer squirting out or being able to figure it out because they've been hunting so much because they kind of figured out is like we hadn't been set for 10 minutes and those deer came barreling down through there and y'all were a long way off and it's just like it showed me proof of like we were probably in deer the whole time but they're so in tune with where they are and they're so used to being on their toes when people as soon as people get in the woods they know what they know what's up they know you're there. They know where to go. And yeah, like, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like those, those deer squirted out and ran there when we were all the way on the top of the other hill. And my, my dad said that he told us that would happen because he, he knows this area and how mm-hmm. they kind of react. And it was funny. But, and why I had so much confidence going into that drive was because of what those, the way the beaver ponds laid out. My dad goes, they have four places to cross. And the, basically there was... Well, I'm shooting a new bow this year, and I am pumped. After playing around with a buddy's Hoyt RX-8, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the Go Sticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX Exact Cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at themobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. 
it they came out in front of all of the sitters that were there just depending on which spot they they came across but it wasn't like they didn't have as many options as they did in other areas it was kind of like they funneled down through there because they can't they're not going to swim across the water you know what i mean they had mm-hmm. to find those little funnels and come across and that's exactly you know well basically where i i had to cross in that spot and that's where those deer came came out through there so that was that was pretty neat did y'all see the deer bust out no 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 we had no idea that, yeah. that any of them had busted out at so that point that kind of gives you a perspective of like walk if, if you're just typical stand hunting and you're walking into a set and you don't have good access like yeah that, you're, How much you're witnessing you what's going on when just any other dude walks into the woods and blows deer out of a bed like they're not just i mean i don't know i think i think some of these mature bucks will just get up and very slowly walk off so they don't get seen but the majority of the deer, they're like freaking in the next county. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and think so. Yeah, you, you just made a really good point. So think about like, because we are we are on purpose accessing with our wind blowing right, in that right. direction. Like, and we were quite a ways away when they they took off. How many times do you go in your stand if you're being lazy and about access or whatever, and they're gone before you even know it? Yeah. You know, and and you you didn't see a deer, and it's like, oh, why didn't I see a deer? Well, maybe it could be because of that access. So that was yeah, something that you were saying earlier. Well, the, that first drive that we did, where it was just you and Lee pushing, and Thomas and I, and Thomas and I sitting in a pretty much like flat area. The whole area is pretty much flat. There was a couple clear cuts, select cuts. You still have to like you have to know how these deer are going to use the terrain. Because you're not going to just be able to funnel them into one spot and sit there and be able to shoot them. Like, they're going to get up and they're going to go follow, you know, an edge yep. or the path of least resistance or they're going to go towards the thickest cover. Like, you have to be set up in the right spot because you can't just go, sh- you can't shoot two, 300 yards out here in most spots. So, it's, it is very calculated in that regard as well, um, especially when you only have a few people pushing and there's not a whole lot of topo in the area. Yeah, yeah, because you guys got to see a variety of terrain, too. Like, you got to see extremely flat big woods, and then you got to see some really steep stuff that was, you know, difficult walking, and but that, you know, that helped kind of funnel the deer a little bit. I mean, we didn't see any deer because it was one of Johnny's spots, but (laughs) I'm just joking again. But... Where are, you, where are you sleeping tonight, Bo? Because I don't think it's going to be here. <laughs> no, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. But it like, but you see how the the, the train, you know, is is there's such a variety in, in here in in Pennsylvania, and it was. I do feel like we saw it all. Like I, I do feel like we got a full Pennsylvania experience. Yeah. Which which you know is how you want it to be. Like I know that you know you can always have that beginner's luck. Like. I mean, Drew, you totally could have, in the first five minutes, shot a deer, and we wouldn't have gotten, like, the full experience mm-hmm. of it all. So, like, you know, I, I think it is a huge blessing that we did kind of get to, like, you know, go through that whole the whole process and kind of experience it all. It just kind of made, like, that moment that much sweeter Yeah, uh, when it all kind of happened. But it would have been pretty sweet if you did kill one in the first five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and how, how about then? We'd have been like, oh, this is easy. All what are you talking about? Tame, All this hype? Tame, big woods, pub clan deer. <laughs> yeah. And then, then you got to see how we get them out of the woods where 
we hide over the bank and wait for no traffic and then hurry up and run and try to throw the deer in the truck and we get out. We are very used to that. Yeah. Oh, good. So that, that, okay, oh, yeah. that's, not, that's not out of the ordinary. No, that's par for the course. So nobody sees you as you're trying to get, trying to get it out. And, and then after that, we got back to Johnny's camp, hung the deer like 30 foot in the tree. And uh, Johnny's way of hanging, <laughs> hanging it in the tree – it was funny because we just kept pulling. We weren't even. Thinking. I didn't even think about it at no, first, I didn't and then either. all of a sudden it clicked in my mind. I was like, "That deer's really high. <laughs> How are we going to clean that thing?" <laughs> yeah. And then Johnny finally was like, "Bears." I was like, "Oh, okay. yeah, it made sense." But it was it was funny. Uh, we, we got it all the way up in the tree, and then I was like, "All right, now it's time. Who's the next person? You know, we got we got Drew with the tag, we got Michael with the tag, we got Johnny with the tag. Like, let's let's keep moving." And we just kept kept going the rest of the day and 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 working on it and then um so then at the end of the day we kind of split up a little bit so one part we left out of the story was last night uh lee and i were driving out it was like rated dark and we saw a nice buck standing next to the road and we kind of looked at the we dropped a pin on spartan forge and we're looking at the map and we're like okay you know where was this deer going you know he, he came out there on his own Maybe, you know, maybe he's going to be in there again. So that was the plan to have Drew and Thomas go in there. And Michael and Johnny, my dad, went to a, a, another location. And and Lee and I went on a piece to not, like, we, didn't, we wanted the deer, that buck, if he was coming from the direction we thought he was, to kind of move naturally. But then at the same time, we're like, we can also be productive and you know, do a little bit of walking on this other side, maybe bump this deer across, you know, over to, to where Drew is at. And, and we were almost productive with that. It almost happened. Um, <laughs> it was the right plan anyways. I mean, I, I kind of laugh at it cause it was like right up Drew and I's alley right behind houses. Yeah, it was too. And I, I kind of, it makes sense now when you told me later, like Lee, I was extremely uncomfortable there's cars driving around. There's like, you can hear people at their houses. I was like, this is just another day. Yeah. And you're, cause you were hanging like way, way, way back away. You didn't want to come no, towards me at all. I didn't want to walk anywhere near that. <laughs> I, I, I don't do well with that. I don't do well around people. But that, that goes to the point of kind of what I said earlier is like the, some of the stuff that translates over is like these deer are very very good at finding where they are not being pressured where they can avoid humans where they've never had a human experience and i think sometimes it's in and it's the same deal in the suburbs is like sometimes it's in those extremely overlooked places where you know some guys want to have the 20 acre properties the bigger you know acreage and stuff that that you know people door knock for in the suburbs but it's like man sometimes it's that couple acre block that you just everybody drives by and nobody ever goes in there and that buck has somehow kind of you know found that little area and he's his whole life no one's ever gone in there and messed with him and like that's his home that's his home and i feel like kind of what we stumbled on today seeing that buck yesterday is like i don't think anybody looks on a map and is like this is this is the place we got to be there's definitely a buck in there but i think it's one of those places that someone drives by a hundred times but nobody ever goes in there no and it's just you know they're really good at finding those little sanctuaries and that, that was a that was a learning thing for me from the standpoint i'm always looking at terrain features and i'm looking at the how the vegetation is lined up and all these things and it's like 
all right, when it comes down, especially this time of year, like when you're, when you got pressure, you know, it's like they're trying to survive. They're looking for their best place to survive. And if there's no human pressure in this little block, then yeah, that's obviously where they were hanging out at. And as we walked through there, we got up close to the road. And again, I'm uncomfortable. So I'm standing back. I'm looking at that road out there. And some guys drive down the road and they start yelling at us. They saw our orange through the tree. And they're like, he went that way. <laughs> and, Lee, and Lee walks up right, right up to the window. Yeah, I just started moping. Oh, oh, he went where? And just like started walking right up to the truck. And you're still just like kind of just hanging back in the woods. And I'm just kind of looking like the, the, the guy they put in the closet their whole life. Like I'm just kind of looking. <laughs> <laughs> i think those dudes are definitely trying to shoot that deer i think they were too <laughs> let's be real <laughs> yeah they were i think they were trying to shoot that deer and they're like yeah you know yeah they were stopped there and the does ran across the the road and the buck hung back and uh and 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 drew and thomas were just across the road not too far in and we're like this dude that buck to go across there so we were trying to move across we were checking to make sure he didn't cut back on us and i don't think he did it's just still at the same point like where you guys were set up like you have to be able to to they have to come in in that range something can move 100 yards from you're not going to see it that's just the nature of this yeah meanwhile thomas and i are laying in a ditch in the middle of this like four by four road next to some railroad ties thomas is asleep at this point i'm pretty sure yeah i was <laughs> catching up you know it's hard work yet to I'm, I'm just laying know. there and yeah i mean there's i think we were probably 400 yards from the road and we didn't have phone service so we didn't know what was going on and we i mean i could see i don't know 60 70 yards in both directions down the road and then we had this like swampy clear-cut thing that we could see but we ended up getting up and just started like walking towards the road, hoping we'd we'd bump something. But uh, yeah, and and then at that point, so obviously that plan didn't work out. But then Lee got a little bit of cell service, and he's like, "Someone hit, someone got something," you know, in our group in the other group. And Johnny Johnny texted something about we got blood. And sweet I'm, mayo is what he texted. Sweet mayo, yeah, that's what he texted you, and. uh we're like, holy cow! Like either Johnny or Michael got something, and then we then it was like we were pumped about that. And I don't know, Michael, would you? I, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but you want to jump in, tell the story about it, Thomas? You mind? Let's let's have Michael jump in. So we get we get a text as as uh, again as Michael my dad and Johnny are, are hunting a different area Michael do you want to kind of tell what what you guys had going on so hold on actually I should, sorry Michael so we you guys you guys will, you guys will probably yeah <laughs> you'll probably remember Michael from the past Michael Paladino one of my best friends from high school growing up been on a lot of western hunts with me but we talked about it tonight I don't think we ever white tail hunted together uh, one time, probably when we were maybe 16 or 17. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a minute, but anyway, so continue, Michael. So when we split up, I went with Johnny, uh, we were running down this road cause Johnny's in a hurry to get to where we need to be. <laughs> so we're full sprint running down this thing pretty much. And we kicked Joe off and he gives very specific details for Joe and told me to go down here and he goes, go down the line, get to the pines and stand at the big tree. <laughs> like all right i go down the line i'm like this is the big tree i'm supposed to be at and he goes you're gonna see a big buck 
All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Big eight. <laughs> nope. So I said, all right, see ya. So I head out, and there's a doe on the line. I'm like, mm, this, this is going to be pretty good. I get set up, and I could hear deer coming. So I was getting getting ready, and I'm aiming at them, and I could see racks coming through the woods. At first, I only saw one, but then I saw the second one, and they must have caught my wind, which the wind wasn't never blowing that direction, but they picked up their pace getting towards the line, or that's just something they are naturally doing. But uh, they started running. I'm like, oh, man, this is not what I want. So I hold on the first one, and he's big. I was like, dang it. And the second one comes out, he's much smaller. But like that thought process goes through your head. I'm in Johnny's spot. Joe's pushing for me. If I'm letting these deer just run by, why am I sitting here? I was like, <laughs> meat bug. So I shot him. <laughs> so I shot him and uh, I just knew that picture in my, my in my head was, man, that's probably brisket. But I uh, I found blood and we tracked him out a good long ways and got a hold of Johnny and he texted the group, told him that hey, got got on a blood trail and we ended up tracking this dang thing like 560 yards and it was tough. It was clotting up and we ended up realizing we were jumping them. And we just kept moving them, knowing it was meat hit. So uh, I kept bumping them. But we ended up finding them and got them out of there. About a mile and a half, actually. Is yeah, you ended up hitting him in the shoulder. And he, he went a long ways. But Yeah, I killed his front shoulder. And it came out. It was quartering away. And he came out right in front of the brisket low. So he bled real good. But mm-hmm. it was It's not what you want to be doing at 530. Yeah. And then, then I came in. So my dad called me. He's like, or he had a voicemail because I didn't have service, yeah. and he's like, I was coming in to help track, and I didn't know you got it at this point, and then I saw that it was like bucked down, and I was like, oh my, yeah, and he's like, bring a deer cart. I was like, too late. <laughs> I'm already <laughs> almost there. I was like, we'll get him out, and uh, and then you guys had made a meat pole. Yeah. So, we, so anybody listened to, I guess it was a podcast I released at the beginning of November, I was getting made fun of talking about this meat pole that we Use my dad was the one that came up with it in Ohio, but you you put a pole essentially, you know, normally underneath the deer, but you kind of had a hole there that you put the pole through. <laughs> so this one specifically, we had Joe said we need to keep the chest cavity as close to the pole as possible so it doesn't swing. And when we were looking, we had a long ways out, which a a buck on a smaller caliber, you probably should shoot a lot closer to the road. But <laughs> <laughs> but um. I didn't care. So yeah, we ended up getting them out, and it actually took pretty. It was pretty easy. We had about eighty yard drag to the to a, like a tram road, and we took the tram road out, met Bo, and uh, it actually carried really well with two people. Yeah. So you you basically you put. So I'm showing it for anybody that's watching the video version, but you put the someone gets in front and someone gets in back, and you put the pole on your shoulder. At, what's that, John? Ten feet long. It's got it's got to be ten feet long. Yeah, somewhere in that range, and then you put it on your shoulder, and and you as you're walking out, and and it was funny because my dad sent me the pins and where to park and where you guys were at, and I was like, this is mile and three quarter back. It was it was, it was a haul. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was a mile and three quarter back to the actual pin that you guys sent. So it was a long ways back in there, and I'm walking back in, and I was actually talking to Mason on the phone, and uh, then I saw saw the headlamps coming. And, uh, you know, met up with you guys and everything and, and got it out. And then, it you know, 
for a while Michael and I were carrying it and then we passed it off to to John and my dad and and and, and we were obviously throwing some old jokes cuz the, the young bucks were standing back there not carrying any weight letting the we're old guys shit and just chit-chatting and they're <laughs> doing all the work but I did want to say one thing on this specific setup on this drive we were you know you guys were talking about how specific you got to be on these for this specific setup all he wanted Joe to do was just very slightly walk through the woods and just get deer on their feet and we were just kind of working this area. So we just wanted to get deer on their feet. So this one wasn't so much of a really drive. It was just more. It was almost kind of a wind bump. A little bit. So when I shot the first time, Joe said, I think he said he was 700 yards from me. And those deer were running. So those deer were, I mean, they were bumped from, you know, how many hundred yards away. Like, that's pretty impressive to be like, those deer decided. And the way they came they took a huge blowdown and they crossed the the, the, the lead line against a, a blowdown. I just so happened was on the side to see the where they came through. And that's right where that trail was. They used that backdrop to, to they, you know, Kiss you're only cover. seen from one side. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't really a, a drive per se, but we knew we were in a spot where there were deer and we just wanted to get deer on their feet. Yep. So yeah, no that that was awesome. So basically, had two bucks down in one day, and being able to see that come back to camp, having them both hung up there, just like awesome. Getting to see Lee's first Pennsylvania buck, and and I, I did want to say back is like Lee is has killed Lee and Drew have killed some like giant bucks over their lifetime, and seeing the the fact that. Lee was just as excited about this buck. At least he looked like it <laughs> as, as any buck he's that. ever. Yeah. No, you no, can't fake that. Actor. I'm joking. But as, as any buck that he shot was like super cool to me to see that and like just, and, and be able to understand that. And, and then, and Michael shooting another buck is like, so we had two good bucks at camp come back and getting to hang up and be able to hang out at camp. And we still got, we got a bunch of people here and, I, I guess we'll call him the audience out there that's watching. Bill's surprisingly quiet on the recliner over there. Bill Thompson, Spartan Ford showed up. I do want to say one thing when we were walking in on one of the first – actually, we were walking out on one of the first drives. I said to Drew, I said, you know, the one cool thing about this Pennsylvania drives is you, you got a group of buddies. You're all sitting there hunting, and within five minutes, every single person's at your deer. I was like, that's something that you don't get doing any other style of hunting. Like Pennsylvania deer drives is 100% just based on your buddies. And getting a good group of guys together. And the goal is to fill tags, obviously. But days of no deer sometimes are just as funny because you're you're you're, you're ripping on each other. Somebody's probably went down and got hurt somehow, like did something. <laughs> it's like just a funny comical thing and and it's all the time. So not seeing deer is actually expected. And when you do see a deer, you're like, We're the best team out here. In reality we put one deer in nine drives. Yeah, but that just that is one hundred percent how it occurs, and it, it it just is a bunch of miles in one drive that works. Yep, and you're like, yep, we're doing this next year, same drive, and yeah, you don't. But today was <laughs> definitely a special day. We we said it this sure. morning. I was like, you're killing deer today. And, and after after day one and two, I wasn't so sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> today was was epic, and something I'll kind of say too, like from this is just kind of complimenting you, Johnny, is that like, I, I look up to you for how you 
are selfless with your hunting. Hmm. Like you tell Michael, like, Hey, go down, like almost like I'll, I'll be in the second, like you go have the hunt. And it's like, go down to that tree. This, like, you're going to see a big buck. Like you could have easily been like, Hey Michael, go to this, you know, scrub spot. Or, you know, just sit over <laughs> there for a while. And you go to that spot, but like you sent him there. And like, I think that's a really cool thing. And something that, that I think is not prevalent in the hunting world today. 100%. That there's, 100%. there's a, a big selfish sort of mentality. Like, and, and the fact that you are the way you are and, and, and like how you hunt and especially with how you treat your friends and how you hunt with your friends. Like I look up to you in a huge way for that. I think that's a very, very cool thing that that you do that. And it, it's like, I can genuinely tell like you are as excited and happy for someone else when they have success as if you were to have it. And that's a, that's just a really cool thing. I've been meaning to tell you that for a while. And I just wanted to take a second to share that. I just, I, I thank the world of you for that. That's a really cool, cool thing for sure. Johnny's one of the first people I met that was like this, actually. So my friend group, you know, everybody pretty much is, is know, knows the friend group here. We're never, like, really there to be filling tags for each other. That's just something you don't do. Then I meet Johnny, and Johnny's like, I got a spot for you, and we're going to put a big nine-point in front of you. And doesn't he do it the next day to bow? Yeah. He, <laughs> I'm like, he, he goes, I got a nine-point. I know where he's going to be. We'll go sit on him. I just need one push. And this deer's going to get on his feet and we'll kill him. I was like, that's pretty cool. That was yeah. my first experience to see it. I'm like, not only did he tell you he's going to do it, he told Bo he was going to get it to him. Now, that is to say that it, it probably never will happen like that again. But he, he was just as happy to send somebody else into the premier yeah. spot that he told you was going to happen. And he was pumped when it was dead. Like, I'm like, dude, you didn't even, it's not your deer. And, oh, yeah, my goodness. That's, that's the. Honestly, so this the, has turned into a Johnny the, pat the, on the, the back, mor- but that's, the, that's pretty cool. No, the moral, the moral of the story is get more friends like Johnny. They're, they're, they're few and far in between. And actually, <laughs> it's only one of a kind, John. It's only one of a kind. <laughs> I need to get Mason to start being a little bit more like Johnny with yeah. the spots. Cause that way you don't have to do your own scouting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Once I get into that Mason uh, uh, database, you're yeah, going to see big bucks down. So, yeah, thanks what you said uh, for the kind words early, but – I think I experienced um, shooting deer um, enough over the years and, and having a success on public land and shooting big bucks and this and that for, you know, 20, 30 years, I guess. And it's like I want other people to enjoy and, and see that and harvest them animals and especially the guys like you guys and everybody that's here are guys that, that want it, you know, and I feel like you guys deserve it. Um, so it's like, them are the people that, you know, need to harvest them deer. You know, I, I do, I think I enjoy hunting now, but it's like, I don't want it like I did 10 years ago. And I, I could sense that in myself. Like I come up short a little bit like, ah, you know, cause I've done it in the past and I've harvested deer and I've seen it been a different state or whatever. And it's like, so then you get guys here and, and, um, you know, I just want them to like experience that, especially when they have that drive. And then me being around guys like you um, that are driven and want it, it, like, makes me want it even more, you know. So it's like it's like we feed off each other, you know. And then when you guys are wanting both smile, and just, like, the video of him joking and he sees that deer, you see how serious he gets? <laughs> He's serious as a heart attack. Like, yeah. that is a legit <laughs> – like, you know, we, we talked about it in his car today. I'm like – 
and Bo wants it, you know. He love he loves doing this, you know, and he deserves all the deer he kills, you know, and it's like that's them are the people who deserve to have them animals, you know, and like talking about putting the drives on today, I think I was like I even felt pressure. I'm like, I want these guys that I want everybody to have success and get a deer and it's like um you know, when I'm actually let down a little bit that we don't see deer, I'm like, oh, I'm kicking myself. But being around everybody that is like-minded, wanting a deer and hunting hard, then you learn off of them people. Everybody puts their two cents in. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a long drive. We should have did this. And then my gears start turning, and I'm starting to learn more, you know. And it's just that's what I enjoy about, uh, like, following these deers, just learning. I think it's that learning curve that I enjoy, not so much killing because, you know, that's been done but um <laughs> check that box <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think it's cool to hunt with uh people from different backgrounds and just different experiences because you you know whether you're no matter what your experience is whether it's you know well my experience is from hunting the suburbs and yours is big what's like there's still things to be learned mm-hmm. from each side of it that that translate to both worlds and then like you and drew like you guys are coming up here. You're putting yourself out there to learn more. You know, if you learn f- a little bit from someone in every state about deer hunting, you'd be the best deer yeah. hunter in the world. And you guys are always wanting to grow. It's not like you're not selfish. You don't want to just, like, hunt a big buck. This is me. This is. It's like I love hunting. Uh, I've shot big deer. I want to experience different types of hunting. I want to learn from other people. And I think everybody in this room is that way. And it says a lot about you guys that are just like, we are average guys. You guys are average guys uh, that are doing above average things. But when it comes down to it, um, you're getting above average from just being out there and and, and being with other people and learning from them and, and, you know, just not thinking you're someone else or, you know, that's, that's what I like about you guys. Like you guys are deer hunters. That's all. Like yeah. everybody else, and you know? when I say like about like about these guys are like when, and I, I was talking to Lee about this in the truck. It's like, all right, you know, if someone looks at what Lee and Drew do about the the suburban hunting. It's like, oh, how's that going to translate to hunting the big woods? It's like actually, it does translate when you have people that work extremely hard at something. It don't matter where they're good at it. When, when they want it bad mm, enough and they're willing thing, to put in the work, they'll yep. figure it out. It might take a little bit, but they're going to figure it out. Like, that's just what it is, and that's just the nature of those types of people, whether it just depends where you grew up. Like, and that was another thing Lee and I talked about was, like, when we were driving down the road, just like, all right, yeah, you grew up in Atlanta. So that's what that's what you put your effort in, and that's what Drew put his effort in. I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. That's where I put my effort in, you know, and it's like and you start, you, you, but if the roles were reversed with our way, our personalities are, we'd probably be doing similar things in those, those environments. You know, I'd probably be two hundreds everywhere. Honestly, <laughs> she's a full wall. <laughs> I have to ruin every good moment. But. <laughs> no, I think one of the coolest things about the position that Lee and I are in is being able to hunt with guys like you and Johnny uh, and your dad. And it's almost like a snowball effect because we figured out kind of one little niche of, of hunting, but that's put us on a, in this position to go hunt with guys that have figured out their own niche of hunting. And it just keeps compounding on top of it. Like, 
we get to learn in three short days a, a, a small fraction of what you guys know and what you spend a lifetime learning up here. But like just gathering these little bits of information from all different environments and being able to put all that together. And I mean, all those little pieces of information, they work everywhere else. Like just mm-hmm. because we know something about a deer in, in a urban Atlanta doesn't mean it does some parts of that don't apply up here or out west at kansas or wherever else so it's it's really advantageous to be able to hunt with guys like y'all um but it's also i mean i didn't i wasn't fortunate enough to, to kill a deer this trip but honestly like 100 percent honest uh me saying this like it does not matter to me at all that i didn't k- kill a deer like i was just glad that one of us killed something and we were able to get an episode and show people like just y'all's tradition and y'all's style of hunting and have success and just going out and experiencing a different style of hunting this morning on i think it was this second or third drive thomas and i kind of like walked down to the river for about 10 minutes and uh i guess it's it's like a big creek basically creek creek yeah creek. We, we, went, we, we went across this little uh ditch to the creek <laughs> big timber it's like all misty there's moss everywhere just like this picturesque serene river and i just stood there for about 10 minutes and thomas was kind of getting some b-roll and some pictures and just like that moment in itself was worth the trip up here for me because we don't have that back in atlanta like we don't get to experience these types of woods and y'all you're probably used to it from hunting up your your whole life but just seeing different things like that and just like nature that has not been molested like there's little pockets of it up here it's just really cool to see so like and i I don't care that i didn't kill anything like just being up here and being a part of it was worth it for me so the like the your what you just experienced like if y'all came to atlanta the leaf probably, blowers probably, the dogs I mean, barking it's amazing be i love that <laughs> this is beautiful <laughs> <laughs> no uh, there, it, but any i don't know i've i've got and and this is one point that i wanted to and and we're not gonna really have time to dive into it super deep on this podcast but i just wanted to say like i've admired that you guys were willing to kind of like break down those walls in yourself and kind of branch out a little bit mm-hmm. you know drew especially with you doing some of the western stuff and Lee with you kind of going to different states and well, both of you, North Dakota and then Kansas and Pennsylvania and like completely out of your realm. And it's not like your typical thing, but like it's, you grow as a, as a hunter, as a person, you get to experience those things and you honestly kind of put yourself out there as it's, it make yourself vulnerable yeah, it does. in those, in those It's a bit cases. of a gamble to be it, honest with you. Yeah. It's like, there's so many rumors out there of, guys saying like oh these guys they're just killing tame urban deer like they wouldn't know how to go kill a big woods public land deer or an elk and you know five hundred thousand acres in the middle of nowhere and i mean i think a lot of those a lot there's a lot of truth to that like there's a lot of differences in it but when it comes down to it like a wild animal is a wild animal and they know how to survive in their own environment and i don't care if it's a neighborhood or a giant crop field that's separating two blocks of woods they're going to use those terrain features the same way anywhere and they know how to survive and they have, they all have the same instincts. And while there's, there's going to be learning curves across those different habitats, but there's still that core, just 
knowing how animals operate yeah. and knowing how to use terrain and be willing to learn it. Like, yeah. You know, and, I mean? no, and honestly, I think persistence is like the biggest thing that separates guys that are successful every year from those that aren't like, there's so many guys that go out there and they see, they see people like Lee killing giant deer and they're like, Oh, I, I want to do that. Like, that's awesome. I'm going to go get, I'm going to get a spot and I'm going to run a camera. They run a camera and they don't get pictures of, of anything. They get a picture of like 110 inch deer. And then there's like, Oh, this is just, this is just not for me. It's, I don't, I just didn't get the right spot for like, getting to that point and then just persisting past it and just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing until you finally find the spot, you find the deer and then you sit 20, 30, 40 times. Like that's what, that's what it takes to, you know, kill deer like, or yeah, animals like this. And you, yeah, and you go, you go in the battles of your own mind of like, what am I doing? Like yeah. all those things. And like, it's, and especially you try something new. I mean, I remember that was me with elk hunting the first time I did that. And the first took me four years to kill an elk. I just, but I was so determined. I was like, I'm going to figure out how to kill one of these animals. Like and nothing will stop you. Yeah. Was, yeah. I, I remember that last year that I killed it. It was like, I put everything in, like everything was on the back burner of my life. One more things that I should, I shouldn't have put all those things on the back burner, but I did. I was just like, so, focused on doing that and it's like i i I see that trait whether it's toxic or not within all of us it's a Um, sacrifice for sure (laughs) and and it's it's not not everybody's willing to to do that and not everybody should but it's if if that's kind of what your goals are you gotta understand that's what it is and i think it's cool to to put make yourself vulnerable i guess the moral of that story is yeah to make yourself vulnerable and try different things. And it's the only and, way you grow. Yeah. And you're going to fail and you're going to not do well all the time. And that's okay. It's just learn from it and, and well, keep we, going. We definitely appreciate your compliment there. And, and kind of, like I said, like it's definitely a gamble on our part to like branch out outside of the suburbs and experience, you know, big woods hunts, public land, or just, you know, just different, you know, the Kansas was real open country spot and stock kind of stuff. It was a gamble. Cause like there has been a, you know, just a notion of like, Oh, those guys are, you know, suburban hunter hunting tame deer. Like they don't know how to kill like real deer. And it's like, all right, well let's go prove our skills. Like this, the skills we've learned in the suburbs, let's go show that we can do that. And it was a gamble. Cause it's like, all right, let's go spot and stock in Kansas. Let's go try and kill a mule deer. Let's go try and kill an elk. Let's go to some public land in Pennsylvania with Bo this year. Let's go to North Dakota. And it was like, if all those were flops, it might have proven that point. Like, <laughs> hey, you probably should just stick to the suburbs. But I think that, like, you know, what Drew said is, like, the persistence of it when there's just, like, nothing will stop you from achieving what you've – a goal you've set in your mind. You know, that's, like, one of the biggest things. Like, you can figure it out one way or the other. With enough dedication and time and persistence, like, you will figure it out. And when there's just no quit, like you'll find a way. And, and so it, it might take you longer than somebody else. For sure. Yeah. That's fine. It took yeah. me four years to kill an elk. Like, yeah, yeah. that's, uh, but I was like, to me, it's like one big run on year. You know what I mean? It wasn't like there was a, a failed season there. It was like, uh, as long as I don't quit, it's just one continued yeah. thing. Just working. If you never quit, you're going to accomplish your goal. Yep. At that, some point. That, per- that persistence that Drew talks about is what I say about wanting it. If yeah. you want it so bad. If you believe it, you will see it, and then you guys, you guys have that. Mm. And like the learning curve that Drew talked about, 
I don't care if you're hunting in a, a urban area or up here. We all have that. That's hunting a certain animal or a new area. There's that learning curve. That is the hunting that we're doing. The 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 habitat changes. The deer change from year to year. The uh, deer die off. New deer move in. It's that learning curve that we're all um, chasing. It's, there's a learning curve, no matter where you're hunting. You know, but yeah, it's the persistence, the want. How you know? What are you going to do to do it? And it's like just being around you guys and uh yeah you guys make the statement i you know but i think that's uh you guys make the statement i don't i don't know you guys know the area but I, but i look at you guys like i want your input because um i relate to you guys cuz it's not like um when i talk to other hunters i'm like what do you think and they look at me like well you're the big hunter but i don't know everything yeah. and and when you have that attitude you're going to learn more from other people. If, if ignorance is all knowing, yeah. if you think you know everything, you're you know what I mean. You got to respond. There's different perspectives. Like, yeah, I mean, I, this, the spot where Lee killed his deer today, it wasn't off of our input, but I think that would have been something that we could have brought to the table, is saying like, well, maybe maybe don't look in these big big woods areas where you think other people aren't going just because it's hard to get to. Maybe look by the camps and the houses. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. people suspect that people are shooting them off their porch, or the deer aren't going to hang around there because there's too much activity. Like it comes back down to yeah. pressure. Like you guys even said it, and I was over here shaking my head when you guys were talking about find out whether they're <laughs> least pr- least pressured. Yeah. I don't care if it's in. It could be the suburb. weirdest places. <laughs> you know, you guys are looking for that same niche that we're looking for up here, and if you had time you know you guys can do what we could you know like Bo said you could flip flop you know we'd be able to because you want it you're persistent and you you know but yeah that's the thing like like today where michael got his deer i was the last few years in pa we had snow right Bo? right yeah we season. did so i learned um here on this hunt the last couple of days that um the areas we were pushing today the other day there is no snow. There hasn't been snow. So the environment is pretty much brown, rain, dull. They, the, like a deer can blend in anywhere. Now, the last two years, we had snow. It's that contrast. And I think the deer moved to different areas because they could sense that. They could feel that they're vulnerable. You know, in the last few years that I've been hunting, I, I can, I'm relating to them last two years. That spot ain't good because I... You know, the snow is down. I ain't seen a buck track in there. But the t- place we went today where Michael got his deer, um, we had gone back, or we had gone through there the previous day to push uh, me and Joe and for the group. And I, and, and just walking back the gated road, it's muddy. The gr- like, I, I'm really observing. The ground wasn't frozen. It was wet, muddy, and it has been through the gun season. It's a gated road. Everybody accesses through there. I'm like, look, Joe, there hasn't been many boot tracks through here in the mud. To saw. I said, and I just started getting, like, anxiety. Like, I, get, I start feeling, like, feeling it. And, and we went so far and started to push. There was a fresh scrape. There was deer shit. I said, there's there's a big buck there's there's a good deer and i could sense it and, and uh uh so we put that drive on it, it wasn't successful we seen some deer and then you know we broke up into two groups today and and, and i just wasn't sure to where to go it was just three of us and um 
I said, for, we just need to go back that road. You kept saying that. You kept talking about that spot all day. You're like, that spot. I, yeah. I need to get back in there. You're like, and, and, and sometimes you just got to trust that gut feeling. Like, you don't know why all the time. And then, it's like, like, where do we go? Where do we go? Joe's like, where do we go? And I, I don't know. We just need to. And it was a gated road that we had to go like a mile back for that push. <laughs> and we went about three quarters. I said, we just need to get back there. So we got to figure something. I'll figure something out. Let's just get back there. And, and Mike made a reference. He said, I got a 300. I just put me on a pipeline or a power line. I can see. <laughs> and, then about, and then a light bulb went off. We were halfway back here. And I'm like, there's this, there's this right away. I said, Mike, go down on it right away. And, and it like, the stress was off me a little bit because you got six, eight guys. You're trying to get deer. You're trying to know where the deer are and organize a drive, know the wind. It gets stressful, you know, and you want these guys to be successful. And it was like the, the weight was lifted from my shoulders. I was like, you could see 300 yards. I'm like, well, me and Joe can kind of um, parallel that gas line zigzag. I have a gun and he could just, I said, just move deer, Joe. You know what to do. And uh, it, it worked out, but um, going back to the contrast of the snow and where we are now with the brown environment, um, that area that Joe bumped at deer, like the last two years I've been through, there was snow on the ground. And you could see, like for most of this area, you could see probably 100, 120 yards. And you add snow to that, you're looking at 170, 180, and the deer, they're not in there. So like in my head, I was like... I wasn't hitting them spots because the last few years it was snow. Like the deer ain't in there for some reason that they're not, but it was like, Oh, they're not in there because the snow has been down and they feel vulnerable that, you know, they can be seen. So they moved to other areas. But so as soon as I got hiking through there and I just, I actually told Michael, I said, if you see a deer, it's going to be a big buck. I can just sense it, feel it, you know, but, uh, that, that, so I think what makes you such part of what makes you such a, a good deer hunter is, we kind of talk about like a like a positive attitude that, that kind of like keeps you going, keeps you going, keeps you going, keeps you in the game. It's like you're. I think you're so good at like visualizing it happening. It's like every every spot we go, or like so many times when we're in the woods, you're like analyzing everything, and you're just like, oh yeah, like there, there's a buck, you know, working this area, kind of dealing. It's like you're you're like visualizing it happening, and you have such a positive attitude, and that like it like keeps the engine yeah. going of like keep going keep going we're on his trail like we're in the game we're in the game we're in the game it's a pretty demoralizing feeling when you know you kind of feel like you're out of the game your attitude's out it's just mm-hmm. you know kind of you're not in a good spot and i don't feel like that's a good place to kill deer like it just doesn't ever seem to happen yeah and like i think that is part of what makes you such a good deer hunter is like you're visualizing it happening and like it, that's kind of what keeps your wheels turning until it finally does happen yeah, and it's the, it's the experience you put in that area, the, the knowledge you've gained to where your sixth sense will turn on because of these experience and the knowledge you've gained over the years. And you start sensing it, feeling it, and it comes, it's like, you, you know, uh, it's like, I feel it, this is good. And it, it is because all your time in the woods, all your cameras you run, uh, you know, reading the maps, dropping pins, being there, seeing deer in different areas, and it's just like, you you get into an area where deer are where they need to be or where and it, it it comes becomes to be like a sixth sense you you could feel it you could sense this is what they need to be comfortable and be in this area and that's when it starts turning on to you're like like I start like breathing heavy like, like I'm I was about to say like, it's, it's, like, it's like it's like to the extent where you're getting buck fever before it even happens it, it is and, and <laughs> like, you, you, you put enough time in the woods every like 
you know what he them, just senses in the presence of the big eighters. <laughs> he's just he, <laughs> but the, here at when, big eight. When, he got ten square mile range, so I feel whatever. When, when Johnny kills this deer that he refers to as the big eight, I'm te- he's going to. It's just when, he, when yeah. he does, I'm throwing the biggest party that you've ever seen because <laughs> you probably throw I, it here too, huh? I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it at your place, hundred percent. But like all, your, I, all the listeners are invited. Yeah, everybody's invited. Yeah. We'll put the address in the description, and they can join our army next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but Johnny's like he's talked about this deer so much, and we we joke about it just because we like poking fun at each other but like yeah. i could see i could see it happening where John, johnny's going to kill the big 8 which we no one's really sure what this deer is we don't know it's a ghost is what it is it's, it's a ghost <laughs> apparition <laughs> dude i was dying laughing this morning <laughs> we're making all these big 8 jokes and we saw the smallest rub that's ever been made in america and johnny's like that's that big eight. I probably need to put a camera on that. <laughs> I started dying laughing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. But he pointed out that one tall rub. I'm like, yeah. That is the big eight. Mm-hmm. It was about five and a half foot tall. He felt it. Lee fell. He had yeah. a little, yep. little chill up his back, a little I think. tingle on his loins. That's yeah. His uh, plums. Yeah, he had some blood flowing. That's for sure. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, but anyways... Well, I, I I could go on all night with this, but I think we should end this this episode. I think it's went on long enough. We got some the audience here. I'd like to talk to them a little bit, so I I think we should uh, end this. Do you guys know when when the episode's <coughs> going to launch? Or uh, hopefully twenty twenty four as probably. soon as possible. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> as soon as possible. If we're wrapping this up, I think we need to end it on a high note um, and talk about how your girlfriend killed the biggest buck in history. In your family history, potentially. Ex. Ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Do we really need to talk about have that? Have you talked about this on your podcast? I don't, I don't think I have. Okay. You need to. No, no, no. <laughs> you, you say what you got to say and let's end it. Bo's going to pull the cord, pull the plug. Pull I, got, I got nothing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be, you know, I fully expect this part to be edited out. I don't edit anything, so go ahead. <laughs> so I can as say he, anything right now. As he chugs now. His beer, the rest of his beer. Open floor. I can say anything. Whatever you want. Don't make me edit things. So start talking. <laughs> <laughs> you backed yourself into this corner. You I better. feel like it's best I just bite my tongue. I'm gonna do <laughs> Lee, the polite I, thing. I don't get. I'm I, gonna do the mature thing. Well, you, you can't say that and not yeah, just finish gotta, what your thought is. Nah, nah. I, I'm I'm okay being burned. Like it's not gonna. It's not. No, gonna I, I have nothing to burn you with. I was just. You know, thinking of saying something ridiculous and outlandish, but I thought I just, it was very selfless of you, Bo. What? Well, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other way? <laughs> you live and you learn. Yep. Don't be like Johnny. And All right. Anyways, go all ahead. of uh, Bo's people out there, you got to push him to tell the ex-girlfriend story about the big one seventy-plus deer. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it needs to happen. It needs to be aired out. The world needs to know. Maybe on At least another in my time. Opinion, it does. With that being said, thanks <laughs> for coming. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. You leave him on a cliffhanger. Should we get yeah. Thomas back on to close it out? Yeah. Yeah. Where is Thomas at? Is he? What's what happened? He's showering. Oh, Aw, dang it! I really did want to have bring him, him a headset in the shower. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, we need you for a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill. Do you want to close it? 
No. Oh, come on, Bill. Bill gave us the middle finger. Bill's grump. We have a grumpy Bill here. All right. Well, I guess I guess we'll just close it with that. Uh, check out Sequin's YouTube channel because the video is going to be coming out here shortly. Follow along with them for everything else and all the channels, all that stuff. They're they're half decent guys, so I'd I'd highly recommend checking them out. Hard working dudes, and uh, yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed the time with with you guys, and I I can't believe it's only been three days. It kind of feels it's been a journey. It's yeah. been at least a week and a half. Yeah, it feels. That, I don't know how to take that, but we'll, I'll ignore that. <laughs> uh, no, just John, how about you close it out here? We're ready to we're ready to end it. Yeah, well, um, it was a great hunt we had here for, you know, the second week of deer camp. And I appreciate everybody coming here. I mean, that's why I kind of... We kind of invited ourselves, but thanks, Johnny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you guys inviting yourself. But I gave you an open invitation. You, you guys did. are welcome you here anytime. And that's kind of why I built this place. Like, so anyways, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> no. We're, hey, the but, Big Eight's still out there. Big eights out there. He, he ain't no barely legal buck. He ain't no meat buck. He ain't no good buck. He's a great buck. I think we got to add. I was thinking about we got to add to that. The next buck above that. Next tier. The Lee buck. No. <laughs> no. I got a Lee no. buck lined up. <laughs> That's a monster. <laughs> Lee buck. <laughs> not disturbing. No, no, not no. But anyways, uh, the big eights. No, I appreciate you guys yes. coming up and and everybody here at camp. I mean, that's what it's all about. And uh, and uh, I mean, over the years, I'm sure we will have a lot more times like this because you know we all love deer hunting. We're all like minded, and and uh, you know, it's good times. Yeah. No, I I appreciate I appreciate these two well, and Thomas. For coming up and and putting trust in us to have a good time and taking time out of their schedule and away from families and everything else, like I, I I truly do appreciate that. And and Johnny, thanks for having us at your camp again. Really appreciate it. And why don't you plug your OnlyFans and then we'll sign off. Yeah, you can you can. <laughs> I was gonna get real raunchy. I'm gonna stop. All right, guys, thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.